Welcome to the Talking Tenancies podcast, brought to you by the Residential Tenancies Authority. I'm your host, Belinda Hyde. Join me as we explore everything you need to know about renting in Queensland with experts from the RTA and industry. We're here to help make renting work for everyone. property becomes unlivable when it is fully or partially destroyed or can no longer be used lawfully as a residence. It's important to consider the livability of a property on a case-by-case basis. When a property becomes unlivable, there are usually two options, to end the tenancy or to continue the tenancy. Today's expert from the RTA is Ben Gerwald from Customer Experience. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Belinda. Now, can you tell us about uh, your role at the RTA and what you're responsible for? Yeah, well, my role at the RTA is a conciliator. So I help guide uh, managing parties and tenants through a teleconference process. Um, This gives parties the ability to reach a mutual agreement over um, bond and tenancy disputes. Yes. Now, uh, today we're talking about when a property becomes unlivable, obviously. Now... (laughs) There might be different reasons as to why a property might have become unlivable. In Queensland, we're no strangers to natural disasters. And in fact, that could be one of the most common causes of unlivable property, right? Yeah, that's right, Belinda. Um, It's common for Queensland properties to become unlivable through natural disasters like floods, bushfires or cyclones. Um, Sometimes a property can become uninhabitable uh, due to an unforeseen event or accident. An example of that um, may be a house fire or a tree falling on the roof. So a a third reason, though, for a property becoming unlivable um, is through lack of maintenance. Mm. Mm, Yeah, sadly, um, some rental properties are not always maintained as required over time, um, which can lead to uh, long-term degradation and damage. Yeah, so let's dive into that a little bit more. Mm. In the event of a natural disaster... What steps should be taken by both the tenant and the managing party in the event of a natural disaster that damages the property? So obviously we also have to consider health and safety issues in returning to a a damaged property. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, first of all, um, it's super important to make sure that you are prepared in advance. So like ahead of the storm season and um, extreme like weather warnings, um, have a plan for when natural disasters happen to ensure you and your family's safety. Now, after a natural disaster, the tenant and the managing party should talk to each other and um, discuss the condition of the property to work out well, what's, ne- what's the next step. Um, whether the property is livable um, should be considered on a case-by-case basis. The damage and the destruction of the property are often of different degrees. So when a property becomes unlivable, whatever the cause or the reason, how do we go about the repairs required and the cleaning that's involved? Well, getting your responsibilities right is really important and considering the other person's perspective can go a long way as well. I mean, the managing party is responsible for any maintenance and repairs needed to bring the property back to a livable condition. 
Um, this includes items like fences, uh, gardens and pools. Um, these repairs may need to comply with health and safety laws. Mm. Mm, yeah, that's right. And look, the tenant is responsible for removing or cleaning their possessions. Um, this is also why we encourage tenants to ensure their own possessions. Um, tenants may need to make claims for their damages or lost possessions um, after a natural disaster or unforeseen event. So it's always good uh, to keep the lines of communication open and um, keep each other informed during this time. The rental market can become competitive, particularly after a natural disaster, um, but rent cannot be increased outside the normal rules. Yeah, that's that's one thing we don't think about very often, is it? No, yeah. no. <laughs> now, you know, as we've said, accidents happen and can sometimes leave a, a rental property in an unlivable state. What must a tenant and managing parting do in this circumstance? Is it similar to what happens in a natural disaster? It is similar to what happens in a natural disaster. The tenant and the managing party should talk to each other, discuss the condition of the property, again, to work out what's the next step. Mm. Look, again, health and safety um, considerations must be a priority. There is, again, the option of ending the tenancy on the grounds of unlivability Either party can initiate that or it can be based on mutual agreement. Again, having those conversations. Alternatively, the tenant may want to continue living in the property. Um, this would need to be negotiated and discussed with the managing party. If the parties do agree for the tenant um, to move out while the premises is being prepared and brought back to a livable condition, remember to document any agreements or changes to the rent and the tenancy in writing. Now, what happens if the tenant causes serious damage to the premises? You know, a fire, for example. Same processes if the tenant does cause that, um, as in a natural disaster. So again, as we've discussed, just sticking to those processes of parties talking to each other and then focus on returning the property. Right. And, you know, I guess another reason for a property becoming unlivable could be the lack of maintenance, mm -hmm. like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Sadly, some rental properties are not always maintained mm. as required over time, which can lead to long-term degradation and damage. I mean, what happens in that scenario? Well, when talking about long-term degradation and damage, uh, the tenant and the managing party need to understand their responsibilities in a tenancy. So generally in a tenancy, a tenant is responsible for carrying out general maintenance of all the inclusions of the property, keeping the premises clean and tidy. Now, a tenant is also obliged um, to notify the managing party about any damages and any repairs or maintenance that could be required on the property. Now, a managing party has the responsibility to make sure the premises are in um, good condition um, and a livable condition, you know, fit to live in and do not breach any of the other um, health and safety laws. So during a tenancy, tenants should address the repairs and maintenance issues um, with the managing party as early as possible. You know, sometimes repairs do take time with getting quotes, um, ordering parts if needed, finding a qualified tradesperson and providing notice for entering um, the rental property at a mutually agreed time. So again, we're just going into, again, the keeping those lines of communication open. So 
if the repairs are not organised within a reasonable time frame um, after talking to the managing party, the tenant can issue the managing party with a notice of remedy breach, giving them the seven days to fix the problem. So the tenant should not carry out any of those repairs themselves without written permission. And the tenant should never stop paying the rent um, to ensure that the that the um, repairs are being made. So holding the renter's ransom for those repairs because <laughs> <laughs> non-payment of rent is a breachable offence under the agreement. Mm. If repairs and maintenance are not looked after and uh, serious damage or long-term degradations are detected as a result, a tenant should notify the managing party as early as possible and discuss with each other the state of the property and work out what actions need to be taken. Ideally, there should already be ongoing conversations about certain repairs and maintenance work to ensure the premises is fit to live in. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, and I know some people, uh, when they're waiting on repairs, they they think, oh, I just won't pay the rent, then they might fix it. It doesn't quite work like that, does it? It does not, no. <laughs> now, um, yeah, as you mentioned before, when a property becomes unlivable, there's usually the option um, to end the tenancy mm-hmm. or to continue the tenancy. So yep. what are the rules around ending that tenancy agreement in this circumstance? Okay, well, it is important to remember that the tenancy does not automatically end when a premises becomes unlivable. A tenancy can be ended due to non-livability in a couple of different ways. So, the managing party and the tenant could mutually agree in writing. Um, The tenant can give the managing party a notice of intention to leave on the grounds of non-livability and the managing party can give the tenant a notice to leave on the grounds of non-livability or QCAT makes an order. Mm. I mean, if the property has become unlivable due to a natural disaster, um, the notice to leave or the notice of intention to leave on the grounds of unlivability must be given within one month of the natural disaster, something very important to right. remember. Okay. So the agreement can end on the date the notice is given, but the person giving the notice may choose a longer notice period or parties may mutually agree to a different end date. Whatever the decision, remember, put the details of the agreement in writing. Yes, that's super important. Can't stress that enough. Remember everything in writing and to communicate. Yes. (laughs) Now, what happens if the tenant wants to stay in the partially destroyed, damaged or poorly maintained property? Okay, well... Sometimes the tenant does want to stay in the property even though it's partially destroyed or, you know, requires those major maintenance works. The tenant should discuss and negotiate with the managing party in this situation. Um, There could be considerations for rent reductions or waivers depending on the situation. Um, The tenant may also want to leave the property and return after the damage has been repaired. Any agreements to waive the rent during this period should be put in writing. So if the tenant has already been given a notice um, to leave by the managing party, um, but they believe the premises is livable and can't reach agreement with the managing party, um, the tenant can request a dispute resolution from the RTA for assistance. Yeah, and we uh, we quite often help people through those situations. So now you mentioned that the tenant may be able to negotiate rent reductions if the property is damaged or poorly maintained. Can you tell me more about that one? Yeah, sure. So if the tenant wants to stay in the premises or parties decide it is best to continue the tenancy, 
rent reductions may be considered when services, um, facilities or goods included under the agreement are no longer available. Um, or amenity or standard of the property decreases substantially. The rent decrease can be negotiated um, and should be put in writing if this happens. So alternatively, the tenant may want to continue living in the premises but move out while it's being repaired and return once the damage has been fixed. Any arrangements must be negotiated and discussed between the tenant and the managing party Again, with the agreements put in writing. Yep. <laughs> um, I know we've mentioned that a couple of times, but I really just yeah. want to drive that home, having that in writing. Yep. So if parties can't reach an agreement through talking to each other, they can request dispute resolution um, from the RTA for help. Yeah, but we'd always recommend self-resolution first as our first step. First step, yeah, absolutely. Self-resolution and then think about getting the RTA involved. Yeah. Now, we know it's important for tenants uh, to return the rental property to the same condition as when the tenancy started at the end of the tenancy, Mm. less fair wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Now, this will help tenants to get their bond back. But with natural disasters, accidents or long-term degradation, sometimes it's not possible to return the property to the same condition. What happens then? Yeah, you're right, Belinda. Um, When a tenancy ends, it's really important that tenants and managing parties go through and complete the exit condition report together, if possible, and discuss any issues and find a mutually agreed resolution before the bond refund is requested. So... Now, in, in some of these circumstances, for example, if the property has been significantly damaged by um, fire or floods, um, it may not be possible to return um, the condition of the property uh, to a similar standard that it was at the start of the tenancy. The Act states, at the end of the tenancy, the tenant must leave the premises and the inclusions as far as possible, in the same condition they were in at the um, start of the tenancy. Fair wear and tear accepted. So, for example, a fire may have um, affected a portion of the house, um, but there are other areas of the house that are unaffected. The tenant can still clean or return that section of the house as per the entry, you know, leaving the affected areas. Mm. Again, we need to take into consideration health and safety um, in these circumstances. Yeah, and I guess we, we don't want to recommend that people uh, you know, continue to live in a property that's not safe by any means. No, no. Well, there's certainly, uh, it can be a trying time for all parties uh, involved in some of these <laughs> scenarios we've discussed today. And uh, thank you, Ben, for uh, helping us in getting a greater understanding of what we need to know when a property becomes unlivable. Thank you for listening to the Talking Tenancies podcast. For more information about the Residential Tenancies Authority, visit rta.qld.gov.au.